This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends new cartridges before you run out. So you never have to think about ink. For details, visit hp.com slash instant ink Spotify. Conditions apply. Welcome to Chapter Tactics. I'm your temporary host, Mr. Pablo, has been called away on important business. Uh, how, I know, very important business. We're going to be mysterious about it, though. And instead, we brought in uh, a regular around these parts, Mr. Jeff in Control Robinson. Have a hello. Hello. And then from very far away, given tonight's topic, we've, uh, we've brought in a bit of a specialist. We've got Rob Symes on the line. Hi. Excellent. Thrilling introductions, gentlemen. So as, <laughs> as, uh, as our listeners may or may not know, actually, this will be a sort of preamble, and then we're, we're going to actually cover the event after this, so stay tuned. Me and, uh, me and Petey Pab will be back on the line after this segment. Uh, but we're going to do a bit of a, a pre-hype of the London GT, the second largest singles event in the world, uh, coming up uh, this coming weekend. Uh, and we're also going to touch a little bit on the, I guess, final of the Grand Tournament, the actual Warhammer Grand Tournament held in Nottingham last weekend. Um, and I believe, uh, Rob, you were there to see that one. Uh, yeah, well, I went down to... Hello, everyone, by the way. Um, yeah, I went down there just at the weekend just for a walk around Warhammer Fest to just see some stuff. To be honest, I just wanted to go to the Forge Wars stores and look at all the new stuff there. Uh, Very but- nice. Uh, as I was walking around, I did get to see a bunch of like, you know, the who's who's and, and, and some other people knocking around. It wasn't particularly busy, truth be told. Um, they didn't sell their full quota of 100 tickets. Uh, so that was a bit disappointing. Um, what, for the for the actual Grand Grand Tournament? Yeah, for the Grand Grand Tournament final. I mean, so there was a, you had to play a game on the Friday evening. So just one game, and then uh, you yeah, played a game, two games on the Saturday, two games on the Sunday. And the idea was, obviously, that they gave you more time in between games. Um, and as we've seen, they've now changed um, the points for their new GTs down to 1750 points. I did not see uh, that. Jeff, did you see that? No, I didn't see that. Sounds like a double whammy of bad, though. Like You're getting a lot of people who can't make it up Friday or don't want to commit to playing games Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, so... They'll just be like, I'll rather not do that then. And then. <laughs> yeah, that's how we all sound. <laughs> just get it through the point at the bar. Rather uncivilized playing on a frying day. <laughs> well, that's when we all drink tea. So that's the main yeah. problem. Always drinking tea. Not with the footy game going on Sunday. <laughs> but don't you know there's a wedding coming up? Can't be playing Warhammer on a Freud. I wasn't there, but I feel like I was. You know what I'm saying? Like I, that's exactly the conversation is probably all over the place, everywhere, constantly. And as the London GT edition, there'll be more stupid uh, English accents and real stupid English accents from Rob uh, throughout the show. <laughs> yes. So, uh, so Jeff, did you catch who might have won this this GT? Because we're, we're just going to touch on this, and then we can get to the London GT stuff. Yeah, I mean. You- 
could not if you're if you're following these slow news days that is Warhammer for the most part, but like he was an orc player, so everyone naturally was like, Wow, an orc player, how did that happen? And they wanted to know. Um, but then the story kind of emerged that I guess zero of his games went past turn three. And then he uh, His last game went to turn like, five. Well hey, there you go. Okay, so already we're hearing that in one of his five games he got to turn five. Um and then I guess he got several zeros out of sportsmanship. I heard three, but that doesn't make sense because he played five games. So I don't know. But there's just some kind of mixture of... And nobody was saying, I guess, that he's like a real evil, nefarious guy, like cackling or something like that. But it was kind of questionable as to whether or not he was a guy that brought 200 models and couldn't play 200 models very well, or he was kind of purposely sitting on objectives and winning in, in two or three turns. As an art player, I was a bit bit saddened to hear that the uh the reports were that he was a bit of a bit of a grinder maybe um and uh yeah that, that, that kind of sullied it a little bit for me also a little bit concerned that uh you know uh that over in nottingham that we're gonna see the the orc dominance and now we're gonna get hit by the nerf bat they're gonna come no, out they're, they're gonna worry. come after they're gonna come after a chinork copt is filled with tank buses which Do not worry, wrecking. there is it, there is little to no chance that uh, the rules team are paying any attention to what's happening at their own GTs. It's like, so, like, my, and my evidence for that is, you know, like, the after damage save, right? Like, who got hurt in the rules team that that became something that anyone cared about from the new FAQ? <laughs> Those it was are my a, thoughts. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm, I'm going to forgive them everything because everything is much better than the... Uh, than the like two lines of FAQs we got in seventh edition about something uh, with to do with a dreadnought facing. So you know, like I'm I'm gonna call this a win, Rob. I'm gonna call this good. Oh, enough. listen, I, I I'm all about it. I love it. Excellent. Now that we're all on the same page and we've we've sort of touched on on the grand tournament out with a bang. Well, more of a whimper, but that's all right, guys. There's all there'll be more GTS and heats in the future, I'm sure, and. Uh, maybe they will learn something and prove Rob wrong. So now, looking forward to the London GT. Um, there are actually kind of two cool events happening. One is an invitational, which, uh, throughout the week, uh, this week and the last, uh, there've been some, uh, fun sort of little hype, you know, posts being put up by the organizers. Jeff, you were featured in one today, I noticed. Oh, hey, I actually, I was just checking as you said that to see who I'm playing against. Yes. Um, I thought they did misspell my name, which is incredible, but. And they, you know, not the most flattering, uh, you know. Picture? What? Yeah, That's you... one of my nicest pictures. That is one of your actual pictures? Absolutely. I have a very large head, but I, <laughs> I expect people not to laugh about it too much, you know? Now, there's, they said to send in um, funny pictures and stuff like that. Oh, excellent. So excellent. It I, doesn't get much funnier than that. I was worried that they face-swapped you without permission, so that's great. So it was okay to laugh. Yeah, you can laugh at that. Let me see what I'm playing here. I'm playing... Oh, it's Nurgle. Interesting. So, Plague Bears... Plague Bears, 28, 27. Plague Bears, 27. Let's talk about Brits and Spam in a second here, by the way, too. And spam? Then there's a Spoilpox, Scrivener, Sloppy Bile Piper. Oh, Sloppy Bile Piper is the best name ever. Nine Plague Drones, nine Plague Drones, eight Plague Drones, and two Shit Trees, and that <laughs> is the list. I haven't heard anyone call him a shit tree yet. That's great. <laughs> so, guys, guys, we're listening to uh, Jeff receive his first round opponent live before your eyes. Yeah. Uh, as he's uh, he's going to be obviously breaking this down on the airplane, thinking about this for the next few days. How did that hit you right off the top? Anytime I face Nurgle, there's just a giant upswell of confidence because you basically are playing a game where you're not going to die. Um, you're not going to lose stuff. And what's kind of funny about this, I actually can pretty much tell you what 
You know what? Yeah, okay, so this guy's reaction when he faced, when he's like, I'm facing custodies, because what are the problems Nurgle has? They're like, we don't have a lot of AP, we're kind of slow moving, and we have a tough time killing those gosh darn anythings, right? Well, I have the the army that is the goshes darnest hardest to kill, and everyone has a two-up save, so he's going to have like five damage plague drones, and I'm going to... I'm going to be pressing diamonds out of my butthole the entire time. But, assuming I don't fail too many two-ups, even Bra So, yeah, it'll be fun. I don't know this guy. It's nice. Uh, I feel confident. Mm -hmm. It's fucking almost 60 Plague Bearers, though, so that's, that's hilarious. Yeah. But I'll just sit at arm's length and put so many bullets into him that he just has to pick them up. But And he can, like, make one of them not get shot, but the other two are minus one, all this. I, I This is my first international tournament, and I'm having... Such a chuckle at everything that's coming out from it. Book mission. Oh yeah. Mail like maelstrom cards. The terrain is getting painted today, you know, well, and they're Jeff, all like, "Fingers crossed, it goes well." Jeff, and I'm like, "Well, I hope so." Jeff, just be, just be. I, I think you should show a little uh, thankfulness. I think that the the London people have heard Americans are coming, and they've decided to make terrain. Yeah, and it's very nice of them to do that for you. <laughs> Yeah, and they put down their, like, wooden paddles, and they've called the kids in from the fields, and, like, the whole village, I assume, is helping with this kind of... This yeah, they, they've, they've cleared all of Londinium just to uh, help. Yeah. <laughs> I just think it's so weird because it's pretty well known that in London they actually have wizards, and it's like, you should be able to whip up some terrain and some better rules pretty quickly. You know what I mean? But like, Well, it's it's funny. I've, I've, I was actually over looking over the pack just before the... Uh before the the show got started here and it's kind of etc missions but not really like they're they're using the eternal war with a maelstrom on top type of approach but i don't think these are the exact same thing as etc so i don't know it's it's uh i'm curious to know why they made the decisions they did with the with the mission set why they didn't just go pure etc yeah i guess it was zach or something and so it's he's the one to get blamed but what's funny about this is the backdrop so it's like it's just so fluffy, like book missions and Maelstrom, and you know we're gonna be playing like green felt tables, and there's gonna be some styrofoam terrain. It's like really nice old school Warhammer, and then the lists you see if you go through all the the, the people attending this tournament, it's like oh it's six, it's like seventy cultists backed by seven demon princes and Magnus. It's like that's not a dick punching list, that's a dick gouging list, and then like. Feasting on the dick after you just, just <laughs> remove it from somebody's body, yeah, man. But it's going to be playing book mission with males. Like, it's so hilarious. You expect it to be like, this is my rhino. I call it Alpha Pattern 7, and it's carrying five Flamer Space Marines, okay? No, no. And this one over here... No, so you always spam shit hardcore. You always go to the high street accent, where it's really small, small the you know London accent in this case. <laughs> and we'll fucking ah. level you, Jeff Robinson. You and your, you know, that's more. That's more. I think the angle we're going from here. I have found it interesting. Also in the pack, so they actually have just like the ETC. They've got uh, preset terrain layouts, and if, if you've seen the uh, the polystyrene L's that they're carving up. Um, you know, even the medium density terrain table is going to have a fair amount of like pretty opaque line of sight blocking stuff. So, I mean, your, your bikes are going to have lots of places to hide if they need to. No, I actually inadvertently made a pretty good list for this tournament. I think like it's a lot of kill points. It's a lot of, you know, it's the, it's the normal tertiary. So it's first blood linebreaker and warlord for everything. And then, um, if you can kill stuff, if you can grab objectives pretty quickly, 
You're doing well. So I'd like to sit here and like adjust, clean my monocle and kind of tip my bowler hat and be like, well, I made it. I designed a list perfectly for this tournament. It wasn't like that. I was just like, I've got 15 fucking bikes and I want to take 15 fucking bikes. But also, I just want to take custodies because uh, I'm just having so much fun with oh, them. They're amazing. And I don't actually usually run a list like this. Like in the ITC, I really rely on assassins, less bikes. I like I like double battalion, uh, that kind of stuff. I, I really do like custody guard, actually. Um, and I only have seven bikes and then two shield captains in my ITC list. But for this, I was like, well, look. It's one of the first times America's going to make beachhead once more in, in the, you know, the, the motherland. And I, if I'm going to come from the colonies and show our former uh, occupiers, like, what's up? I need to bring as many praetors as I can possibly jam-pack in a list, for the most part. Well, I mean, you've kind of done that. I'm just looking at it. It's not as many as you can do. Yeah, it's not even. It's, it's, su- it's super try-hard, actually. It's like, it's 14, so it's 2 units of 5 and 1 of 4. And then I have the uh, Vexla Praetor with the minus 1 banner. Yeah. The Magnifica, and then I have the Guard Detachment with three mortars, which is just because I had like 15 points basically. And then I did bring a Calexis, which I'm really thankful for. That was that was something I kind of struggled with because it's a whole auxiliary, which is minus one um, to my command points, which I don't have that much of anyway. Just splash those CPs around, man. Who cares these days? You got you got CP well, to spare. Kind of. I start with eight, and I I do give the. Um, the two shield captains, the three plus plus and the three plus plus rerollable charge, and you don't get to recycle that, so it's minus three. So I'm down to five before the game even begins. So it's okay. It's just not. It's it's a very hardcore list, and it, it just inadvertently becomes good for this tournament, though, because like I said, what are you going to get first blood off of on me? Like uh, without deep striking turn one or something like that, it's it's really hard to do. I I feel like I have to mess up big time for that to happen. Yeah, unless they got like a ton of indirect fire or something to punk one of your uh, infantry squads, but that'd be about it. Um, Even then, guard have surprisingly funny stuff. Like you can put them in oh, cover. Yeah, There's a stratagem for plus one save. I love that uh, stratagem. Sure, if it's like, oh, it's insane. Um, and, and sure, if it's like Dawn of War or something like that, then a lot of, I mean, put it this way. So like, if, if they have mega long range indirect fire and they're like, oh, I'm gonna kill one of your, your infantry units. Well, then they're. I don't think you you have to picture this in your mind's eye. 14 plus two shield captains sitting around a banner as close to you as possible. And this guy's like, bring the infantry hell! You know, he's like shooting them to shit. And I'm over there going, oh no, don't shoot the infantry squad! And then everything jumps on top. Well, if if your point was first blood, also like when you have the eternal war sandwich on top of Maelstrom, you know, first blood kind of is a wash usually. Uh, Yeah, it's not as big of a deal. aren't usually as big of a deal. Rob, um... I just want to bring us back to one of the openers there that Jeff raised. And as a man on the ground, you know, our, 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 our on-the-scene reporter who is, by the way, you just completed a DJ set and are doing this podcast at an ungodly hour. So thank you for that. Yes, yeah, 3. It's, yeah, 3.23 a.m. Just getting started, guys. Just getting started here. It's an early day. So I, I believe Jeff called it uh, uh, dick uh, ripping. There was some stomping and eating of the dick. Gouging. Gouging. Um, lists uh, tend to come out of Europe, and, and uh, you know, there's always from the, certainly the ETC crowd, some snickering about, you know, what's, what's running top tables around uh, the North American scene. What do you think, what do you, what do you really think the, the root of that is? 
Where, where do you think that comes from? So comparatively, so it, obviously on my show, like we, I talk AOS and I talk 40k as well. Um, and what's really cool is like I, I'm not really interested in, in my opinion on stuff. It's lovely hearing people from around the world. So we, you're a guest. You have you have an opinion. Don't need us here. Yeah, yeah, no, and no, I, I am gonna give it. I am gonna give it. But like, obviously, working for Games Workshop as well, like. Um, I, had, I had my own personal agenda there and I still have my own personal agenda and that really is a cohesive community playing games uh, and my reasoning for that is is I think like division means that I'm not able to play my favorite game which is the meta game so like the difference the splitting of the community uh, for 40k between ETC and ITC and then just in the book missions uh, really upsets me because then like you know, I almost have to talk about a thing in three, uh, talk about a unit or an item in three different ways and in three different conversations. And then it's three different communities all with their assumed knowledge about what they think is correct, arguing with each other. Um, but then their parameters are different in of itself. But you see the same thing happen in AOS and there isn't a diff, and everyone around the world only plays the core book missions for AOS. So even though Australia plays the same core book missions as America and England, the what's considered competitive are different across the three different uh, continents as well. So that's, that's fascinating. So that's really interesting that even without the, a change in missions or mission packs or um, stipulations on terrain, there's a different conversation happening about what's good and what's not and some people say that there's a lag between america and the uk uh, and australia are just crazies <laughs> i don't know if that's true um uh, i think it's really interesting and what i do love hearing is what that means now i know the americans you guys for instance uh have got some you've got a really amazing community you've got really big events but do you get as much local practice as the UK people necessarily or the European people where they play consistently there? I don't know. And I know that the European people think that is true and they think that they've got like a, a sturdier head on it. And the Americans think that's not true. My opinion, I think everyone just could calm down a little bit and just talk a bit more. That well, I, wasn't, I wasn't really looking for who's right and who's wrong, but I think you, you, you touched on something there, which was that, you know, Metas evolve, you know, you know, locally, nationally, and internationally, right? And I, maybe we're getting to the place where we are going to get an international Absolutely. meta. It does seem to be a, a bit of a different starting place, you know, from from your average. Like I, I feel like ITC lists tend to be more toolsy, right? Like they tend to have more things for the jobs that that come. Whereas ETC lists tend to be really heavy-handed. Like they're they're really picking that. Uh, you know, really efficiently pointed unit or, you know, whatever it might be, spamming bodies and just trying to go to the extreme edges of, of list design. And I'm just curious, like, do you think there's anything, I have my own opinions here, but I, but I want you guys to maybe talk about it. Um, you know, what, what might drive that? Um, I think it's, well, I think it's just a, a larger product of Warhammer in general. Like even in the United States, I'm sure this is true in, in Europe as well, but there's an East Coast meta, there's a Texas area meta, there's a Central America meta, West Coast, like, it just kind of it makes sense too because it is largely in part mission but also like the terrain for the area can kind of vary it up there and then if you just are around 20 guys that tend to play guard your list you'll find starts to have certain elements that perhaps another list wouldn't so it kind of makes sense that it goes that way um but as far as like europe etc versus itc america i think that the extremes were more true and then it's kind of rubber banding closer in, in, as the game is actually 
which is really fun, becoming more international, right? There's more people traveling. There's more people at least talking between, um, you know, the uh, the competitive page on Facebook has like 8,000 people involved. And these are people from all over Europe and all over America talking, comparing lists, uh, competing with each other in terms of like, you know, what's the most powerful and broken combo, that kind of stuff. So the more that that's occurring and happening, I think the less and less you're going to see this gigantic chasm between what it looks like to play over there and what it looks like to play over here. That being said, I will just say, and speaking to extreme generalities, it's not like this is an absolute truth, but in general, I do find the European scene, aka ETC, to be much more of a like, this is what my list does, or like, this is the one of two things that my list does. And that doesn't, I'm not saying this, by the way, is like, huh, it's so simple and stupid. I'm just saying that tends to be what I find from the more competitive players. Uh, whereas in America, or the United States, or whatever you want to call it, just uh, west of Europe, um, it tends to be a little bit more... It can still definitely be that way, but it is more towards a scoring and mission as, as opposed to, like, I'm going to murder your face. I'm going to blow you off the table. Yeah, the yep. um, I, I was kind of joking about it earlier. I honestly think it comes down to... We've got Reese and Frankie as two of the largest um, you know, uh, tournament organizers here, and they've been pounding a drum about terrain... Uh, um, since before the edition dropped and uh, also instituted the uh, ground floor line of sight blocking rule for ruins. And I honestly think that's it. I think that's, that's why you have, um, you have lists that are able to bring in tools rather than just going for the kill shot uh, right out of the, the, the gate. I think that's really the main difference between list designs. And that's why, you know, I think you get, you've touched on it before. That's why Flying Hive Tyrants didn't win the LVOs because they'd just be flying around a bunch of boxes. They wouldn't be able to do anything. You know, you just need a guard unit inside of a, a square building. So I honestly think that, that that's the kind of level um, that really cleaves the, the two sides. And when you look at the terrain you're probably going to be playing on over, over in the UK, you're going to have a lot of line of sight blocking. And I wonder... If some of those like smash mouth, blow you off the table tile lists are going to have a good time or not. Uh, I'd like to uh, like, so Jeff was talking about the guard um, units, which like, you know, well, if there's a bunch of guard players in your area, then you tend to think that that is the evolution of like, well, that's your meta, right? And then you mm -hmm. then upscale that for um, if a guard player happens to come second at a tournament that you're keeping track of, you're like, oh yeah, it's all about guard. I really do think that there's thing there's this thing I like to call it the production meta that there's there really are only like Jeff how many armies do you have for 40k I'm sure it's a plenty yeah it's Adeptus Mechanicus Terranids Knights Custodes and then Gene Circle I guess okay so like so if you are gonna you know if you're gonna go to a tournament you probably see you probably say to yourself which one of those am I going to take and which one will do best? And and if you think none and you really do think it's another option, maybe you'll take it. I don't know. I do think that people pigeonhole themselves. And, and obviously there's money as a factor as well. Like, will they buy every army to, to pick the best one? So sometimes what you will end up with, in my opinion, is um, is is units that aren't able... Like, uh, um, players don't, haven't produced all the armies. So while we can talk about a meta and what may exist and what may not exist... Um, it's all about production and whether or not they physically exist and whether or not people want to physically produce them. And then you go, you know, I sometimes think that people just kind of hash together a bunch of stuff that they've got knocking around and then take it to a tournament, add a few units here and there. <laughs> and that's so does that make sense? Am I explaining that well enough? Yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah. And it, yeah. Especially, I mean, I think that really applies like to 
like new hotness, like custodies, right? Like custodies drop. Um, and although, you know, there's probably a, a lower barrier of entry to getting a unit of custodies ready to go than say, you know, 200 orc boys or whatever, um, you know, it still took time before their impact was really felt and people realized how good those bloody jet bikes are and they're amazing. Um, but <laughs> how I long think, did it uh, take one day? <laughs> yeah. Um, it was a long one day though. To it was, it was a while. Um, Something it might have been thirty hours, but I think I think there's stuff that mitigates that, especially towards like the more serious, like I don't want to call them serious, but like degenerate, uh, you know, competitive players who are you know really really following every heartbeat of of, of developments. And there's Borohammer, like Nick Nanavati talks openly about how you know when a, when an event's coming up, he's you know borrowing most of his list from his pals and his network of people. And so at the at the top of the chain, I think people are able to feel the, the the best stuff pretty quickly. Like you can look at just the in the London GT alone, the proliferation of, of Dark Eldar out of nowhere. Like I'm, I'm sure some of those people had those things sitting on the shelf, but it's probably a lot of folks putting together what the best stuff that they can find from all the people that they know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and uh, for me, like, you know, Eldar are great as an army and then they already were great before so people already had Eldar armies right mm -hmm. so you know a great book comes out for the army that you've already got the models for it's a no-brainer that you're going to see a bunch of them and then that becomes the meta so it's all I think production is a big deal whereas Orc Boys as an example ignoring slow play and that I think just a ton of fucking Orc Boys with it uh, you know with custom force fields are just great they're just great um, and can win a lot of games my thoughts but who has that and who can be bothered to put it together both yeah both of us <laughs> yeah both of us definitely <laughs> uh so yeah that, and and that i think again i love this conversation and i love all that because it's really complex and nuanced to gather that information and and work out what the actual answer is and i don't know what it is truth be told but it's interesting um there was a uh, neat uh, breakout of all the uh, detachment. Actually, you did a whole show on this. So did this a whole show on it. Yeah, yeah. Listen to it. Uh, uh, it was it's brought out to uh, the competitive 40k page. Who's ripping up newspapers? Brought out to the uh, competitive 40k Sorry. page. Uh, eating your fish and chips, I hear. <laughs> <laughs> tea and crumpets, thank you. I do, actually have oh. a cup, I do actually have a cup of tea with me. So, where's the brown sauce? Uh, <laughs> Astra Militarum, 113 detachments uh, of, uh, present. Because yeah. I guess they're just getting splashed everywhere. But here we go. Drukari have the second most amount of detachments, followed by Tau and Craft Worlds. So at the LGT, yeah. But there's 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 Drukari is second. Really, there's double yeah. detachments, isn't there? There's double the amount of uh, Astra Militarum detachment there are to any other detachment. So true. Obviously, true. there being there's at least one being taken in most armies. Yeah. I mean, a 180-point full battalion, and it gets you recycling command points, is like, it's just such an insane thing. Oh, yeah. and, and you can plug and play really ridiculous things in there, too, if you're like, no, I am a guard player. Like, sure you are. And they're like, look, it's a 600-point detachment. You're like, oh, look at you go. And you put, like, three basilis in there, or, you know, a bunch of catachan, which some people are doing these days, too. So it's just like, it makes sense. Uh, but there, there is, you know... Those guys going around with like tank commander hats on and stuff like that, they're just rolling in their graves. They're like, everyone's a guard player now. Like, no. <laughs> well, surely it's the same with Drakari, right? Um, everyone's going to have a Vect um, detachment just ready to rock. Yeah. 
um, and that makes sense. And you know, that's why you know uh, I think uh, you know Eldar being uh, sorry, Craftworld being strong. They've just got stronger because of Jukari. Same way, all Imperium is strong because of uh, Guard. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, uh, in the uh, in the last episode of, of Chapter Tactics, uh, Jeff, Sean, and Pablo went went pretty deep on I guess three different lists that that uh, two of which won. Correct, Jeff? Oh yeah, two GTs were won by Jukari. Two two major uh, tournaments were won by Jukari, and they were more or less. Just Jukari, they're three different Coven's attachments, correct? Yeah, but Rob's Rob's point's true. It's it's that's what's so interesting about this is like, you take Eldar and you can just put in very inexpensively some Dark Eldar, and the Eldar got better. Yeah. Now, if you take Dark Eldar and add Eldar, does it get better? Unless it's a Flywing with three Hemlocks or Crimson, uh, whatever the fuck they're called, then maybe not. But um, that that's what's so amazing is they don't need to, right? right. Like they can. And the quote-unquote soup of Eldar right now is just very, very powerful. And what I what I enjoy, and what's fun about 8th edition, but is funny for Eldar, um, is they have so many good tools and so many good things, you could never fit it into three lists consecutively, right? Like, we're about to have Harlequins come oh out, and people are going to be like, wow, I kind of want a unit of Harlequins now. It's like, okay. Anybody playing a 5,000-point tournament? I'd like to play a 5,000-point <laughs> tournament. Just Eldar. <laughs> Six detachments, please. Uh, it, it, I think I think for for the rules guys, uh, and I know you guys don't unnecessarily like to. I mean, Eldar's a tough one, right? They're meant to be like the elite, elite, and everything's good. But I do find I do find their books and them generally to be fairly abusive in game, oh, just because yeah. they just ignore so much of everything. I just it just. But they're, they're for me, they they are conclusively the top, like competitive books um and just and oh, get yeah. better with every release uh, i'm not sure if harlequins are going to increase them um and that's no disrespect like, i love it when people like i think if something's good take it take it for always um and so that so it gets you know retconned or fixed or you know changed around a tad um i find really interesting i love the stats by the way the guy that put that together was a hero um i nerded out for the entire day about those stats they were incredible and did you see that Almost any opportunity to take either a chapter tactic or a craft world uh, or anything you could do to have your army be minus one to hit, that was the go-to choice. Not too surprising, to be honest. Yeah, probably a wise move. And the only case that wasn't true was with Ultramarines for Space Marines. I'm surprised by a couple things like uh, Tau at third most. Yeah. Tied for third. Or 64. Uh, they're good, and they're very good, don't get me wrong, but... Um, Generally speaking, when the codex dropped, people were very upset with it. But I feel like that's like a Tau thing anyways. Oh, They'll be like red face and, and upset, but be like, well, I'm buying my ticket to the London GT now. <laughs> well, it's, so it's, it's 64 detachments, isn't it? So yeah. every every Tau army is a pure one, two, or three detachments of Tau. Whereas every Eldar... So probably 30 some odd players. Yeah, there. whereas every Eldar army could be two detachments of Eldar and one detachment of Jakari. Fair enough. So... Like it, you know, thirty armies, yeah. So you're gonna get more of a pure spread with Tau. So maybe that's why yeah, it's at enough. the top. With Tau, I guess it is kind of surprising to see them. But I mean, I, I don't know if you remember, Jeff. Uh, pre LVO, we were chatting about Tyranids, and I was pretty hot on Tyranids at the time. Mm -hmm. And you were talking about how uh, you know player skill might be lagging the the quality of the rules that were there. And I I kind of feel like Tau are kind of hampered by that too, in general. Um, and also some of the like core. Um, you know, liabilities that playing Tau have, you know, no psychic defense. Yes. To me, it's more that. Like, well, Tau just, like, 
classically are a very powerful list and then once and then they have that it's not even one or two it's like several pretty bad matchups and you're just going to hit one or two of those at a tournament and a really good general um can perhaps overcome them but tau has always been hampered by the fact that even a really good general sometimes you hit that matchup that dawn or deployment or whatever uh the the l-shaped trains right in front of your fucking face and you're like oh my god and then the guy just puts 20 vertus praetors behind that and you're like well i've got smart missiles and the guy's like go ahead and do it <laughs> and that's all and then that's it you know and, and then you just get charged and die and you're like what am i supposed to do and it's that's like the Tau experience every time. So that's why it's kind of incredible and funny. The few times a major tournament's been won by Tau, I think back in the day of like the Ravana paired with a character, like a commander. So it's like ignoring cover in seventh edition and hitting on twos, re-rolling all this funny stuff, and we're like, okay, yeah, yeah, like well, like never again. They got they well when you could, you, they they got splashed in a lot. But even that that Tau-dar list didn't win a ton. I think they were more Tau just tend to be gatekeepers, and they kick sand in the face. I think of people who. Um, you know, aren't aren't quite prepared for what they do, but anyone who knows how to dance around them can. Um, and something like this this tournament with you know line of sight blocking and uh, line of sight yeah. blocking, you know, that's that's probably going to stymie them. One of the other neat things about uh, the London GT is that they actually released uh, where and where all this data comes from is that they released all of the lists a couple of weeks back to sort of crowdsource the um, the list checking process. Um, I'm playing. Probably uh, Tau for the ETC for Team Canada, and uh, and so I was eager to have a, a flip through some of those lists. One of the most common lists, I'd say there's three or four of them. Do you know what it is, Jeff? Triple Riptide, probably. Triple Riptide? No, Triple no. Storm Surge. Triple Storm Surge. Mm. Well, those guys are fools. I am really... Fools, I say. <laughs> Maybe they know something we don't know. I played it. No, they're good. They're good. Uh, yeah, you're... did you play Daniel? I think yeah, he's yeah. one of the guys. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Dan, Dan, Dan is a Dan is a hero um, of of all sorts. This Warhammer TV Dan, um, and uh, yeah, like it's great. He plays exactly how he likes to play, like a big fella, and he just gets to roll loads of dice um, <laughs> and shout a lot, which is great, and say the D. Um, yeah, oh, level, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and you know. It, it's a fair a fair assumption from the FAQ that, and I think Jeff's list sounds really interesting. and I really like it because obviously you read the FAQ, uh, FAQ, the big FAQ, and you're like, right, gun lines have just got better, you know. And Jeff's army is well, there's tons of shooting, you know. Mm. Effectively, it's a combat army, right? Um, it can go forward and charge stuff. It can shoot stuff as well. So right. it's got it's got all of the power. It's great, um, and it's also a surviving army. Um, but you know, Riptide, uh, not the Riptide, sorry, the Storm Surge is just dish out a ton of shots and they can do mortal wounds at range which is not uncommon but quite rare um i think that's a, an interesting army it's not very engaging you're you're baiting it out of me because one of my one of my good buddies nick hayden um has had this theory and this is where we finally tip over and get the like with this story i'm about to tell we're really going to get the the reese uh, conspirators that believe Reese has actually struck down Tau the last couple of years, and he's like some kind of weird, evil figure. Believe, um, but he he talks about, and he actually wrote an article on this uh, on his website, Blood of Kittens or whatever. He's tasty taste. Um, he wrote about Tau players attract a certain kind of player that they just kind of want to roll their dice. Interacting in the game is not really what they're going for. <laughs> Uh, and this is this is more going back to like seventh and sixth edition where they had rerolls on everything yeah. and 
they just volume of fire, right? Like, strength 7, uh, AP 4 missiles. Like, you don't have two of those, you have fucking 20 of them. You know, like, that's kind of what you do. Um, so it's kind of funny, because you see these Tau lists, and you're like, you, you kind of are like that, aren't you? You don't, you don't want anybody touching your toys. You just kind of want to shoot them and keep them away. <laughs> They're like, no! No, no, this, that's a breacher team over there. Like, okay, is there three of them for your battalion? Yeah. Okay, well... <laughs> No, men, men's strike squads, and you see that all over all over these lists. Because outside of this, you know, the other big, I don't know if we really want to go down the towel rabbit hole, but it's on my mind. Uh, outside of this uh, list, you, you get sort of the uh, hammerheads and, and long strike paired with maybe a couple cold stars, and then just sort of fill it out from there. Um, and that's probably more the direction I go to. But to be honest with you, like whenever I'm trying to make a selection for a list, I'm goobering together on the streetcar or something i i just take the cost of the unit and divide it by seven because that's how many fire warriors i have to take out of my list and i haven't seen no you'd think in the in the in the cradle of spamming stuff that there'd be some brave soul out there with 180 to 200 fire warriors no one no one had the balls everyone to talks it. about it it's the same thing as uh orc boys i think where like everyone talks about it but then they look at that web cart and they're like, uh, no, because it's it's like good, but it's not so good that you're you're gonna be that guy that wins a tournament. You're like, I brought 185. Like it's no, probably not. It's the production thing, right? Like that's yeah. the thing. If you could just buy it off the shelf, you know, pre-painted, done, ready to go, you'd see it. I think, but have... I think to your point, that's what the that's what the shield captains was, right? A box of three builds three shields. Start collecting custodies box. Great box. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I mean that too. Oh, you're joking. Yeah. Okay. Um, but that's why you're seeing so many of that. Yeah. They they add melee to a gun line. They add speed. They're, I mean, we we know they're really good across the board. But if it was one per blister or something like that, would there be as many? Eh, probably mm-hmm. not. But because you can buy the one box, absolutely. Yeah. I thought it was a really interesting conversation. The thing just said about Tau and the people who play Tau. Um, I, I'd be fascinated to have conversations with all sorts of people and see the sorts of people who play particular types of armies. Like, for instance, like um, I think that people who play gun lines tend to be uh, a little bit standoffish generally. Um, and then when you can get quite in their face quite early with with units, they you know they feel that pressure. You know, you can put pressure on them yeah. psychologically. Um, and I'm really into like the psychology of people playing each other on the tabletop. And I'm sure you guys are as well. Oh yeah. Well, I think one of the most the most common ones, and absolutely true, is, is like orc players, right? Forever, you could you could almost you can grab you can go to a tournament, look at an audience, and be like, those five guys over there, those are orc players, and they're the ones like, you know, generally really rambunctious and having a good time and loud, but they're orc players. Yeah, I've, I've found that to be really true. Yeah, I, f- I find that to be true too. And then there's me with pit stains, just a look of complete frustration and angst on my face, just freaking out. <laughs> well that's seventh edition and onward work uh, yeah absolutely um all right so maybe in in interest of uh of, of jeff slamming a bunch of black t-shirts into a suitcase so you can get ready to go and and rob being allowed to go to sleep uh maybe we round this out maybe uh maybe we do some hot take predictions we know kind of what the field looks like um you know what and we we've talked about the terrain the types of missions that we're going to see what are we? Uh, what are we feeling in the big main event? Who's who's going to break through to the other side? I think I think it's going to be tough for people to be Eldar. I don't know if there's a dragoon list or a Bulgrin list. Maybe. 
There's separate Bulgrins. Reese Richard Robbins himself is bringing a Bulgrin list, but I've seen a few. There, it's fun. One of the, the my favorite parts about this tournament. I hope people really took advantage of this. Is you could see all the lists, right? They yeah. posted. They wanted you to make comments on it. Um, so it's been really fun. I'm a gigantic Warhammer nerd that like there's not enough content out there for me to consume. So over the last few days, I've just been looking through it. And there's just some nasty shit in there. Uh, like I was saying, Magnus, six Demon Princes, and Arimon behind, I think it's like 70 or 80 cultists. Pretty obvious what they're, what they're going for. The Demon Princes are, three of them are, um, Z, or a uh, Thousand Sun, excuse me, by the way. So they're all smiting without the minus one or anything like that. Um, that kind of stuff, pretty darn good. Park that guy's objectives, that's awesome. Um, and then I saw some other lists too, like there's a lot of, uh, Mortarian and Magnus kind of coming back into the meta. Bash Bros. Yeah. There were some Orc gun lines, which is really funny. Um, just, it, it was very, the thing that 8th did very well, and I thought this tournament's highlighting pretty nicely, is you're seeing diversity, right? Like, I'm seeing a couple of lists that are similar-ish, but if you can jog your mind back to a year ago with 7th, there was these six or seven archetypical lists, and that was what you saw oh, yeah. at every single tournament. Uh, of course, there was like the mid and lower tables that brought other things, but for the most part, when it got down to it, it came down to the same generals commanding the same armies. So it's really, really fun that in 8th, there's just all this kind of different stuff, and they're trying to accomplish different things too. Like there's obviously smite spam, there's infinite bodies, there's alpha strikes, there's beta strikes, there's melee, there's shooting. I, I really am enjoying the variety. So are, are you are you uh, taking a punt and saying it's the, the best player is going to win? No, I think so. One last one last dig at the tournament, I guess, is because it's four hundred plus players yeah. with battle points right. and only five rounds. Right. You're gonna have like ten plus guys that go undefeated, and then there's really weird stuff. Uh, like one, like a couple of the missions, you're you're like the highest you can score is like twenty, and then others are thirty or forty. So there's weird point differentials there. There's it's 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 gonna be a little bit more of a classic Warhammer tournament where maybe the best player wins, but also maybe the best player doesn't win. It's just like that guy that had a good run is a good general, of course, but also has like a beautiful army, turned his list in on time with no errors, uh, got great sportsmanship, and then you know won most of his games by some large margin. Um, I don't know that it's possible to predict a general and an army that's gonna win this tournament, but I do agree with Rob that it's you know Eldar gonna do well. Um, there's a shit ton of custodies that's going to do well. Mm-hmm. That that L-shaped terrain is really good for uh, Virtus Praetor bikes. That's good for a lot of things. It's good for a melee, but what it, what's kind of funny is that the FAQ and meta kind of scared that away a little bit. Like, you're not really seeing Berserkers in this tournament. You're not really seeing Horde assault armies like you were before. There are them, don't get me wrong, but if you look at, the, if you look at all the lists, it's a lot of shooting. And it's, but there's also a lot of counter shooting. You know, all the all the yeah. tactics are all minus one to hit range, which is neg- negligible as to whether or not that's a huge difference. I mean, it's big to some armies. Um, yeah, and I'd like to touch on. I'd like to agree with you. I think I think Thousand Suns have got a big shout. Uh, potential wins coming through potentially. I'm going unkillable horde that stands on objectives all day and scores a ton. I'm go- I'm going actually something like what you're facing first round. But you have to kill. That's one of the things I think a lot of people are going to be... Because we were used to, we were very used to that in 7th. Like, kill points was in everything for the most part. That was one of the criticisms. It's kind of gone away in 8th where you could just be that pseudo-battle company that's just scoring and, and not being able to be removed. But in this tournament, 
like four of the five missions i believe are basically kill points and if you're not killing units or you don't have units to be killed uh you're having a tough time scoring or you are scoring so sitting on objectives that's the funny thing about the cards too and that's the part that we haven't talked about but it's like so stupid how hilariously rng it is right like you can draw hold five well that's the one you're on or you could draw hold four and that's the one that that 70 plague uh, plague bearers is on and the mission's like you cannot turn this in by the way you can't change it don't do that blow, blow two cp uh, you get one cp bruh oh did they modify that for this no, custodian. Oh, oh yeah, yeah your custodians. Yeah. yeah, custodians can do that, yeah. Just one. Or if you have a watchmaster, but that'd be weird. That would be weird. <laughs> um, well, I'll also say that uh, this is probably the last tournament of any major event that we'll see zero detachments of Harlequins. Uh, yeah. Before we wrap it up, uh, Rob, considering you've sacrificed the most to be here with us today. Uh, oh, no, I've loved it. When you said I could come on, I was over the moon. Jeff, big fan, by the way. Uh, oh, thank you. Man. I'm a big fan of both of you. Oh, that's that's kind. I, I stand on the, show, uh, <laughs> on the shoulders of giants here, notably Pablo, who I've squished underneath my chair. Uh, but Rob, I just want to give you the last word. Uh, what do you what do you uh, what what are you thinking is going to go uh, and happen this weekend? What are you most excited about? Oh my God, the gossip and the drama, right? Like 40k <laughs> is like. 40k is i don't know it's like an an old wives circle with everyone just crowing at each other oh, and yeah. i love it um it's glorious uh, I, I to be honest i think what's really really exciting is uh, again the fusion and you touched on it the fusion of the of the community you've got a bunch of americans coming over um uh, going to c- communicate with the european team everyone's going to be playing together and then uh, and games workshop will be there as well so it's another opportunity for everyone you know the games workshop to wander around and just be like why are you guys doing this and like because it's good we're doing yeah. this because it's good <laughs> like we never thought you'd do that like, well, maybe you should ask us more questions <laughs> so you know yeah. I, i'm excited about the cohesion of everyone who needs to be together to talk to each other doing that and also rolling dice so um, and hopefully one of you two win that'd be cool I won't be there. I'm just going to be rooting for Jeff to smash some face out there. Come on, Jeff. You've got this. But if you win with bikes, I mean, do you feel like you've really won? Oh, yeah, man. In the Emperor's Light? Are you kidding me? No, I, I'm, I'm going there with the explicit purpose to put down all the other bikes. Like, they're the... They're the oh, awesome, that's good. You know that's mean? solid. Yeah, that's cool. That's right. <laughs> don't, don't feel too bad about, about, the big, about the dig, Jeff. When I was talking to Rob about lists, he was like, yeah, that's nice. That's nice. I'm running uh, 21 custom mega cannons and uh, three Wazdaka bombers that you've never heard of. Yeah, one, uh, only one Wazdak. If you can't teleport oh. a chapter master in space, yeah, and trigger a space marine player, then oh. what are you even doing, realistically? That's you've true. never seen. It, 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 you never. It's just so much fun. You just say this Wazdak jet bomber can teleport your chapter master in space, and then watch someone with you know a Gulliman car park shoot everything they can into it, and you're like, you've just shot the worst thing in my army. Thank you for that. <laughs> Thank you for wasting your first turn. It's re- I've really appreciated that moment. <laughs> Uh, I just hope it's brilliant. That's like Warhammer's wicked, right? Oh, and yeah. and what I don't want to see is a, is anything that we've seen some points earlier in the year where just stuff becomes negative. I want there to just be an out and out fucking pure winner that just wins something. And everyone's like, cool, it's Eldar. I don't give a shit. Like that's great that it's done. And I just want it to just be. That would be good. You know what I mean? Like just be done, and everyone go, cool. What's out next? Let's get excited about the future. Um, 
instead of everyone getting mad at each other. I mean, what happened from the GT this weekend was a bit sad, really. Yeah. I'd like less of that. Who knows? Maybe in a in a couple of days we'll be talking about everyone getting Robinson. All right. <laughs> that's a that's a cordial drink over in the UK. Uh, right, we're going for a few Robinsons. <laughs> <laughs> they drink that at Wimbledon. They'll have a they'll oh. have they'll have a Robinson. So. All right. Well, um, I guess uh, this has been a long goodbye. Uh, thank you, gentlemen, for joining us in in uh, in Petey Pab's absence. Uh, and, uh, and anyone listening to this podcast at this point, uh, please stay tuned. Uh, we'll be joining you in the future to discuss the results of the London Grand Tournament. Thanks a lot. Hey guys, before we get to the second part of the episode, I wanted to introduce you to a new sponsor of Chapter Tactics, Broken Egg Games. Broken Egg Games is a gaming company that sells custom miniature display trays in addition to an excellent line of gaming accessories for your tournament gaming needs. They have tokens, objective markers, acrylic templates, terrain, and so much more for a variety of games. Check them out. You click on the link in the description in the show notes and purchase something. You will not only help the podcast, but you will also score some sick gear to help bring your tournament game to the next level. Thank you very much for listening, and enjoy the rest of the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Chapter Tactics, your 40k podcast, which focuses on playing warmer 40k competitively at all levels of the game. Pablo. Uh, Pablo. Um, I don't know how to tell you this, but um, we uh, we already started the show. What? Yeah, we we did this whole segment with uh, with with Jeff and Rob. It like happened in the past. We're actually in the future now. Uh, okay. So we're in the future. We're in the future. And you already recorded. So in that case, Rob, Rob from the Honest Wargamer, Rob. Honest Wargamer, Rob. Honest to goodness, Wargamer, Rob was on this show like 10 seconds ago does he still play 40k <clears throat> believe it or not he uh he, he'll play anything um, okay okay so if we're in the future does that mean that rob and jeff were in the finals and you got the finalists of the london gt on the podcast well at least half of what you just said turned out to be true and the other thing that turned out to be true is apparently rob was looking forward to some drama uh, as the thing he was looking forward to happening over the weekend. And, um, well, Pablo, now that we're in the future, uh, did that wish come true? Um, you tell me, Val, from the future. Well, we're both in the future. Uh, the answer is yes. Everybody now joining us once again, uh, looking forward to our soon-to-be-happening London Grand Tournament recap. Um, as I'm sure anyone who's listening to this podcast is well aware, um, the London GT has taken place and there has been some rather strong reactions to it, would you say? Yeah. So, so joking aside, um, if, if you guys heard the last 30 seconds of the first part of this episode, um, you guys are probably already laughing, snickering because, um, there was a lot of controversy around the London GT. Um, we're not going to get too much into it, but I, I am going to clarify some things. Uh, I reached out into my network of people who attended the event and who 
saw firsthand what happened and what transpired. Um, so I'm going to try and tell you guys what happened and be as objective and factual as I possibly can. And of uh, course, we'll, we'll we'll definitely be getting Jeff on as soon as possible too, and he'll be able to give us his his personal take as to everything that went down. But you'll get the the secondhand goodness from us, I guess. Yes, and speaking of Jeff, congratulations to him first off for winning the Invitational, bringing it bringing the London GT Cup home to the states, um, and beating Alex Harrison, the guy who won the LVO two years ago. I, I think that's classic. That's po- it was it was two LVOs ago, because this LVO was was it was three LVOs ago. It was yeah. this LVO was the the Grappando incident, and then the LVO previously was Brett Perkins versus Brandon Grant. So yeah, it was three LVOs ago now. Wow, Pretty wild. So so Jeff in control, Robinson. You are our champion. You are are the Alex Harrison of the states. Um, champion of the invite, which was uh, was which was a well fought uh, round of games on the Friday. Yes, um, and uh, of course, some of the controversy uh, arose from uh, his final match against Alex Harrison, which we'll we'll get down into in a little bit. But maybe right off the top, why don't we why don't we hit up some of the more meta uh, topics that I'm sure are at the top of everyone's mind about the London GT? Absolutely. So before we get to that. We are going to just cover the London GT results. We're going to talk about the undefeated players. I understand that it was a battle points event. Uh, however, I'm not going to talk about the 40 or 50 players who who ha- who scored better than Reese, who went undefeated. Uh, pretty much. Uh, to me, I- I'm not a big fan of battle points, and I feel like if you won five games, I feel like that's still more credit to you than if you had gotten max battle points. Just, just, uh, just. Just my own personal take and opinion. Um, so I'm also gonna. So I'm just gonna focus on the the list who went five and zero. There are twelve of them instead of the the top ten list, so to speak. Uh, also, we are going to bring Jeff on next week. So if you're looking for more in depth LGT reviews and coverage, Jeff is going to be our man on the spot. He's going to tell us about his his matches, his match against Alex Harrison. Um, firsthand about some of the controversy and some of the stuff that happened at the event. And uh, we're going to kind of go in-depth to the London GT next week. So this week we're just going to talk about the meta lists uh, and kind of like the aftermath. Uh, who won, who did well, what, what we're expect to see. And, and this is an important event because it's the first large event after the FAQ. So that with the using the beta rules. So, yeah. uh, and I mean, th- you, you definitely saw a big shakeup into in, in the types of lists being brought. Um, it's also the first big event really since Tau uh, as Codex came came out. Yes. Um, so Tau was out in force. Um, you know, uh, definitely the first big event since Dark Eldar came out. There's so much here that really mixed up the meta, and also surprisingly, a lot of stuff didn't change. So that'll be interesting to look at too. Right on. So let's jump into it. There are twelve undefeated players. At the London GT. Well, uh, I'm going to list all of off. them. Can we okay. just get the elephant out of the room here? Can we talk about terrain? Because oh. this is a meme on the <laughs> internet. And look, I know I know your crew flew over there, supported this event. And so I think it is it is indicative on us to at least, at least address this. Because I think there's a, a little thing I like to call hyperbole going down around this topic. <laughs> uh, people are losing their effing minds about how this tournament was run. Maybe we just... Maybe we just address that. All address right, that. all right. 
All right, I'll bite. All right, so 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 generally, if if you um if you've been paying attention to any 40k news this weekend, um, you would have already been in two camps. You are either in the camp of the London GT people who ran it are thieves who stole their attendance money and provided horrible terrain and a terrible experience. After or tying their girlfriend to the train track. <laughs> or, or you're of the camp of uh, the London GT. The terrain was, 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 um, it, it did what it needed to be done. It, it served its purpose and it was line of sight blocking terrain and terrain doesn't matter. And it's just, it, it's just supposed to be functional. And, and it was still the largest, the second largest singles, 40k event in the world and it was still the largest in europe so so there's definitely you know pros and cons here there's definitely two sides i've read and seen both arguments online um i've kind of want to stay away from it i don't really have an opinion on it um because i wasn't there so i don't know if it was like yeah. 20 tables or 100 tables it was a um, lot of the tables it was it was a bunch it was it was definitely from the pictures you saw you got the feeling that it was all the tables that you saw pictures of but um Generally, with negative things like this, people tend to uh, glorify or over-dramatize the negatives um, and then not focus on the positives. So I'm just look, taking everything anyone's saying negatively about this event with a grain of salt. Um, and I, I can't wait to talk to Zach Becker, the guy who ran the London GT, kind of get yeah. his side of the story. Um, because I have heard that you know there was a little bit of issues with the train before the event. Um, now, whether that I think, affected... Um, I think uh, you might have... Uh... A little analogy we can use. Uh, I think there's a, a Greek myth called, is it Icarus who flies too close to the sun? That was Icarus. Um, that is Icarus. Um, you know, I, you're looking around right now, 40K is blowing up, and there's all these massive, massive events, and London is a place that needs to have an event like the London GT. So first and foremost, I really hope that regardless of how the chips fall on this one, that it is a serious learning experience and that this tournament comes back stronger and better uh, in future years because, you know, I mean, London needs this GT mm -hmm. because, you know, the UK is the home of Warhammer. And I think it's only appropriate that they have a marquee event. The problem, I think, is, is that, you know, when we look out and we see things like Nova, Adepticon, you see things like uh, the LVO. You know, these are well-oiled machines that have evolved over you know, in some cases, decades, the LVO has, um, you know, experienced exponential growth over many, many years. Hell, Frontline Gaming has kind of, I, I don't know where the chicken or the egg happens, but it, you know, they either started a business so they could run tournaments and, you know, started a terrain making business so that they could, you know, put 250 tables out in a giant room in, in Las Vegas. Right. Um, you know, like, so they, they, you know, they're mat manufacturers. You know, these are guys who have done a lot of the work to be ready for the big event and, you know, work up to the size that they have. And it might just be a case of ambition, maybe getting a little bit beyond, because it's not just about the terrain. There have been some other, you know, uh, comments about, you know, how it was organized, the communication level and all that kind of stuff. And these are pretty rude awakenings when, you know, it's a, it's supposed to be a well-oiled marquee event. So there's a tremendous amount of salt, but I would also say that most of that salt is coming from people who were not even there. And so yeah. what, we're, what we're experiencing is some real classic schadenfreude where people are really reveling in the misery of certainly some dedicated tournament organizers who at least had the ambition to try to put on a massive event. And they certainly fell short by, by a lot of accounts 
um, in some of the organizational parts of it. But I don't think the piling on is is necessarily fair. Um, and I can only hope that, you know, the organizers don't um, get put off from trying again and getting some of this stuff straightened out and fixed in the future. Absolutely. Uh, I think you hit the nail right on the head. Um, there's certainly some middle ground here. Um, obviously, you can't next year. You can't have terrain like this. You need to improve. Um, luckily, you have thousands of comments. You know, with uh, const- well constructed criticism. You know, showing you where you can improve. Um, but you guys have to remember, this is the second t- year of this event. This isn't uh, an Adepticon that's been around for 20 years um, or an LVO, a finally established tournament with uh, a company that, as Val said, prints mats and prints terrain to back up the tournament, um, right? So this this is uh, the London GT. Is, it's a growing thing. It, it's finally opened up to more events. It's a con. Um, and there, there are growing pains. Like uh, a lot of the other complaints I heard were similar complaints to what I've heard about the LVO in in past years, right? Um, one year the LVO there was a big water problem, right? Uh, we, we couldn't, we didn't. Um, basically there wasn't water gallons for everyone at the event. Um, and long story short, there because it is in the past now, so I feel like I can talk about it. Basically, the Vegas staff were were charging us like a house, like a small house in Utah for just to bring water to the event. We're like. Like, what are you guys doing? They're, you're shafting us. But that controversy aside, that was that was LVO four or five years ago. There's a lot of growing pains that come with a convention like this and running an event like this. Yeah. So, And, I mean, you know, in, in, in Las Vegas, they're in, uh, you know, Bally's Casino. It's not, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's not, a, it's not a small venue. I mean, in this case, they're at Olympic Stadium in, in London. I mean, yes. just... Just, just getting the keys to that joint is going to be a ton of dough. It's going to, oh, yeah. cost, it's going to be a big amount of risk. Uh, you know, rent that space out for a few days, and uh, you know, all these people talking about it being uh, a matter of profiteering. Um, you know, I don't know what the books look like, but I can I can do stuff on the back of an envelope, and I'm going to be pretty doubt. I'm going to doubt that you know anyone's coming very far ahead on any of these ventures. Um, so I don't think it was about the money. I think there was you know maybe some time management. Who knows? I'm not going to criticize the guy. He'll know what what went wrong, and he's going to hear an earful for probably weeks <laughs> about it. And uh, I don't envy that spot, but I hope, I hope it doesn't put him off from trying again and more in the future and getting it right. Cause like I said, I think the London GT, you can see how excited the community, maybe that's really what this backlash is, is like the community was super excited to have this event happen. Warhammer uh, TV was there. Frontline guys flew out, you know, all this, stuff. everyone showed up and, and, you know, maybe it wasn't up to snuff and hopefully next time he gets it there. Right. And, and so, um, speaking of next time, uh, let's, we can move on now. Um, yeah. do you, I've been kind of speculating how GW is going to handle this, right? So on one hand they had, they just had their own, uh, 40 K tournament, uh, I think a week ago with the one that yeah. works one. Yes. Right? Which yeah. We I've touched heard... on it. We didn't talk, uh, talk yeah. in depth, but we, yeah, we touched, touched on it. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think you guys said that the orc player, um, didn't finish games and, you know, didn't finish most of his games, and um, there's a lot of stuff uh, coming out of that one too. Was... Yeah. <laughs> um. So and and GW, I, I love them. They're they're a great company, great group of guys, Warmer TV. Uh, but they haven't run an event to the standard of Adepticon, the LVO, Nova. The you know that you expect to see. That it just hasn't happened. Like they've had they've had okay terrain. Um. But I still remember the very first time they had a large 40k tournament. A guy with triple Wraith Knights won. Um, and the terrain was barren. 
Yeah. Um, it was just their realm of battle board with the little measly hills, beautifully painted, um, and like a few few buildings, a few you know. The Warhammer Aquilas. world terrain um, has has stepped up quite a lot. Yes. like they've got a lot more of the uh, you know. It's basically a whole lot of Munitorum armored crates, which is their only <laughs> line of sight blocking kit. Um, so yeah, I mean that that's that's something that's that's been improved. And I think as you know, remember I think you kind of touched on it too. Like they haven't done these real Smash Mouth. Uh, tournaments they're witnessing firsthand what 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 well-run tournaments look like multiple times a year uh and they're going to come away with lessons and they're going to tweak it like they tweet we touched a little bit briefly in the earlier segment about how they've modified their um their tournament pack they're, they've gone uh-huh. down to 1750 to deal with time um and we'll see if they um if that helps improve anything i think the, the community realizes that that probably isn't the only answer um you know, so there's 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 lots to be learned by anyone who's venturing into these events and really competitive 40k as a you know spectacle and as like a big event type, um, um, I don't know game, um, is really new. Like yeah, <laughs> you that's know, true. There, there there were a couple big big tournaments, but when, when we're talking big tournaments, we're talking we're talking a hundred plus people, hundred to two hundred people for years and years. That was a big event. Yeah, um, it's only in the last year or two where you started getting into these three, four hundred person events for singles, anyway. Yeah, and and uh, you know it, it's um, so I don't want to I don't want to bash too much on the London GT here, but I do want to tell you guys about a concern I've had, um, and I want you listeners to take this very seriously because it's it's I think it's a real concern. Um, that is is will GW look at something like the London GT and think we can do better than this? We're we're learning. Um, we can do better than this. We're going to take the reins and and step in and kind of kind of um, step on the toes of of other tournaments, right? And obviously, I don't think they're gonna I don't think they're gonna like I don't think they're gonna replace Adepticon or Delvio or Nova. Um, but if you follow X Wing at all, uh, X Wing Second Edition was just announced, um, mm-hmm. which which is a big deal, especially for in the miniatures gaming world in general. Um, but with it, they announced a brand new tournament circuit, kind of like a, an overhaul. To way the way they run tournaments, and what they did is they just gave a, a third party Cascade Games who uh, run tournaments for other events. They run Magic circuits. Uh, they they do a lot of uh, promotions and events. They just Cascade Games. It's all they do. Um, so FFG hired Cascade Games to run their system opens and their regional circuits, and that's it. And uh, me, I'm trying to bring X Wing to the LVO, so I'm kind of working with Fantasy Flight Games and Cascade Games, um, and. I, you can't have a tournament, an X-Wing tournament, a decent-sized X-Wing tournament, without FFG support. It's it's actually kind of stifling. It's, it's really, really depressing. So it's funny to see the dichotomy in the, you know, 40K. You have these community-led tournaments like the LVO, Nova, Adepticon, um, where GW has almost no part in, or they have no part in, in the tournaments, and actual tournaments and how they're made and prize support, um, or very little. But on the flip side, Fantasy Flight Games kind of has this monopoly on the best X-Wing tournaments, right? Mm-hmm. So so I, I just don't want to see GW go that route. Um, but, you know, you don't know. If, if you have events like the London – or more events like the London GT. Um, or, you I, know, you have you have the bad – you have the circus <laughs> around Tony Grappando at your very yes. own LVO. You have, yep. uh, you know, just the, the stink even – the, even the minor griperiness coming out of uh, uh, out of the, you know, the grand tournament of grand tournaments. Um, 
it's kind of odd that there seems to always be a pall over the community after one of these <laughs> these big shows goes off, and kind of sad too, because I I think ultimately, I mean, we're gonna get into some of these lists. I mean, it it still winds up being cool. Somebody does win. There's usually yep. a good story there, um, and uh, I think again, it's it's just it's a very young scene, and you know the players are you know literally the players playing the game, and the the players as far as those who can you know, organize and take the risk to put on these big events. Um, those, those things are still moving around and evolving. Whether or not GW takes over or establishes something uh, formal, <clears throat> I mean, that would be light years away um, from their approach to competitive gaming um, today. Uh, and I would think that would be a, a pretty uh, significant departure from, you know, what their strategy is around it right now, which is mainly to engage and encourage with the community to keep running these events. Because ultimately... Unless they start to see, you know, the bad press as a bad thing, um, and hopefully they continue to be optimistic that you know good things come out of these tournaments too. Um, unless they start seeing that it is too much of a risk that they feel that they need to, in, in, you know, impose some control. I mean, I don't think that they would actually do that. What they could do is become a no. better competitor. They they could they could yeah. start running events that, um, you know, um, go. You know, head to head against some of these things with their new cafe down in Dallas. You might see, you know, a, a U.S. style Games Day or Warhammer Day, like they they do in Nottingham now. In fact, I'm sure that's the reason why why it is being opened, um, so that there is that kind of a convention or permanent presence um, that they can do down in that area and, and attract people to come down and see their big show. Um, but no, I wouldn't think. I don't know. I, I just don't see it as. Um, I think ultimately Games Workshop, I mean, if you read their, their share, shareholders description, they're still a model making company, uh, first and foremost. Uh, I think this stuff is um, <coughs> viewed as marketing opportunities, which is great. Uh, and I'm happy to participate in any of their marketing opportunities that also happen to be uh, awesome tournaments run by cool people. Yeah, and I agree with you. I think, I think logically, I think that um, there, the, I, we don't have anything to worry about, certainly in, in the near future. Uh, Especially, especially because I think the community still wants GW to step in more, um, and I and I do, I I do to a certain extent. I want them to run, you know, one large, you know, GT or like a world championships, like an official world championships. That would be cool. Um, but the the reality is, is that if Games Workshop tomorrow, you know, had had like a forty k system open where where you where they had different tournaments, um, and then the prize support for these tournaments was like entire armies like what they did in the olden days or exclusive like tape measures that were themed to the your army um that you could only win for getting or exclusive dice or whatever whatever cool swag they can come up with uh they would quick they could quickly kill tournaments even even a tournament like the lvo you know they they could just turn around and say okay we're gonna have a tournament in dallas at the same time as the lvo and and uh, if you win you get like an Eldar army, a two thousand point. Like, how can we compete yeah. with that? Well, and, here's here's you know. here's another real thing. Um, I, I get what you're saying. First of all, no one's going to a tournament. I think because you know they're enamored by the prize support. Another big complaint. That's with that's GT. true. But they're going to win the tournament, and I think something that you did see in the heats um, and in the grand tournament of grand tournaments is that people didn't really care tremendously about it. And they didn't really see it as, um, you know, a big trophy to be won um, for whatever reason. Maybe it was the format or 
Um, you know, yeah, it was probably 100% the format and the approach that they took to running the tournaments, um, you know, just eternal war missions. It wasn't seen as, you know, the height of competitive play. So until they start running tournaments and a, and a tournament pack that mirrors closer to what the you know competitive community is used to seeing, you know, yeah. people aren't going to take those tournaments as seriously. That's true. Yep. And, that, and that's ultimately what I think gets people out is that, you know, it's the cachet of the event, um, not necessarily what you can win. Um, I'm sure if they did, you know, throw up a crazy prize, yeah, maybe that draws people out no matter what the format is. But are they going to do that? I mean, you know, like when, when, when someone else can take all the risk and spend all of their, their free time, you know, volunteering their hours and, and, and you know, busting their butts to, to put on an event. Um, that they yeah. can then attend. I, I, you know, I think that might be something that comes comes out of these most recent experiences. Is that the, you know, in order to get the the Warhammer TV crew to show up, um, and you know, Forge World to bring a, bring a storm, perhaps they might start demanding some <laughs> uh, some guarantees of a of a level of quality. That might be something, and that might be smart on their ha- behalf as well. So yeah, yeah, and I agree with you. I, I in general, the competitive communities are, are kind of. Um, not an enigma. They're just it's very unpredictable, right? Like if you look at FFG, they give out these worlds dice. If you make the top eight, you get these special bespeckled FFG dice that you can sell on eBay for like a hundred bucks for four dice, right? Or a hundred and fifty, two hundred dollars for the original. Like they're they're very expensive, and they give these to the top eight. Um, <clears throat> and people people want these. Like these dice are are awesome, right? So I don't know. It's it's just I, I can't wait to see where the future holds. Um, and when I saw that uh, there were a few people, a few whispers on Facebook talking about um, the Warhammer TV crew having a rough time with the stream, uh, and this is just speculation. Don't don't. This is just rumors. This isn't something that actually happened. Um, but I just you know I just thought like oh no like what if GW actually had a bad time at this event and what if they don't go back to the London GT next year. Like, well, Could happen. You know, slippery slope. I, you know, we'll, we'll have this... to we'll have to find out. And and the the last thing we want as a community, by the way, guys, is is to see them retreat back into the ivory tower. You know, like yeah. I think I think, uh, and one of the much less like a, a tournament that maybe didn't get up to spec on or, or deliver on the promises it 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 made. Um, I think the thing that's a bigger concern and turnoff is the way the community reacts to this, the piling on. The 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 bad mouthing the like I already used the word Schadenfreude the just just the really reveling in other people's misery and misfortune I think that's got it that's just that's lame shit so I yes. would love it if people just you know what keep it constructive but everyone can see that the terrain was unpainted everyone knows that they should have let you know allowed for some more time to to let people in in the morning so they could run on schedule there should have been better food yada 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 okay guys don't pile on let it be i think the feedback has been heard loud and clear and hopefully there's still a london gt in 2020 yes <clears throat> i agree um so why don't we talk about the, the actual fun stuff now and yeah. thank you for indulging me well uh let's uh yeah, let's go ahead and jump into the top 12, or not the top 12, the uh, 12 undefeated lists that we had, um, and give you guys more stuff to talk about online, because um, if I'm being 100% honest here, it's pretty much the same old guard. Um, it, it, I feel like it's what the the factions that we had that were undefeated, I feel like they are predictable. Um, <clears throat> there were, of course, a, a couple surprises, as there always are, uh, but in general, if you were to you know, talk about this event beforehand and predict what factions do well. 
um, you would get the factions that were undefeated here uh, pretty pretty easily. Um, so let's go ahead and jump into it. I want to give a shout out to Mr. Mike Porter, who won the best general, the perfect battle point score. Um, yeah. I don't care what format you're playing, Adepticon, Nova, LVO. Uh, perfect battle points is is hard to do no matter what. Yeah, like, and I think it, I think uh, with regards to Mike Porter, I mean, um, the, he's uh, undisputed. You know, kind of uh, well, not really the undisputed champ because Mike Brandt did win best overall, but he he <laughs> definitely is undisputedly at the top of this heat because uh, you know he went five and zero and he had perfect battle points. No one else, no one else accomplished that feat. So that's yeah. uh, that yeah. is the the the, bull, the number one with a bullet for sure. Yeah, and, and so he had an Adeptus Custodes list with a a lot of uh, Dawn Eagle jet bikes, the actual fast attack choice, not the HQs, um, an Assassin's Attachment, and some Guard Catachans, and that's actually a trend that you're going to see a lot of at this tournament. Um, if you saw the the four people who played Imperium lists. Uh, who went undefeated, all of them had a Custodes detachment and a Katachan guard detachment. Every single yeah. one of them. Um, so that's definitely a trend you'll see in the future. Uh, I don't know if it's a trend I like, but um, it's just it's a trend. So if you guys are building lists, just keep that in mind. You will see some guard and you will see Custodes in some capacity. Uh, we talked, Anthony uh, Chu? No, I was just going to say, Jeff Jeff talked about it in the, in the first half of the show, and I think it really did pan out, which is... Uh, the ability, the the terrain that was there was line of sight blocking, kind of actually in the spirit of the Nova L ruin. Um, mm-hmm. So there was there's lots of places where you could you know sneakily hide your 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 jet bikes and get them into the right position to do damage. And actually, Mike Porter's list is quite similar, I think, in a lot of ways to, to what uh, Jeff was running. Um, although he didn't have uh, as many shield captains, he only had one shield captain, which I found very interesting about his list. Um, yeah, spending I, much more I, on bikes. I think Jeff also uh, has. I think he has some troop choices too. No, not in this list. He went not all bikes. The, he took them all out. Okay. Yeah, he went all bikes, and um, and uh, he had one Kalexis. Uh, but Mike Porter actually went with uh, two Eversource and a Kalexis, and I think pretty much at the at the sacrifice of a shield captain. And that, that's mm-hmm. the largest I think difference between the two lists. All right, Anthony Chu with uh, an Eldar list. He had uh, kind of your standard Alitok. Oh, not not standard. He has this a bunch not of standard. flyers. There's, there's you're right. You're right. That comes later. This is cool. <laughs> you're right. This is the one with the Crimson Hunters. Um, uh, so he had an Elitok Eldar detachment with uh, some Crimson Hunters, a lot of flyers, and a Dark Eldar detachment with three Ravagers, um, which which seems to be the go-to for Dark Eldar for Eldar mixed uh, armies. Uh, if you saw like John Palmowet's list um, <clears throat> up in Washington, the one a, a few weeks ago, he had a Dark Eldar detachment with three Ravagers and an Archon. Um, yeah. to take the Cabal, the Blackheart Stratagem, which, oh, yeah. is, as we know, is uh, the probably the best stratagem GW's printed in the last, like, six months. I don't yeah. know. Uh, it's it's up there. Um, we lost <clears throat> Mike Brandt? Oh. Just take a few deep breaths. Just take a Ooh. few deep breaths. Okay, yeah, I'm excited back. because Mike Brandt, <laughs> uh, Mike Brandt, love this guy. Um, he's been on a hot streak lately. Uh, yeah. starting at the LVO and then continuing through Adepticon and a few other small tournaments. And here at the London GT, uh, Mr. Mike Brandt has won the best overall. Best uh, overall. All boom. around the best. That's Mike Brandt guy. The Grand Pooba of Nova? 
Is that correct? Am I putting words in? Did he? Did he? No, I think Sean Naden won Best Robot. No, no, did he? No, no. I mean, uh, is Mike? Doesn't Mike Brandt the lead organizer of? Nova? Oh yeah, uh, the Grand. Po- yes, yes. He's the he runs the Nova organization, um, which is a charitable organization supports breast cancer awareness. Um, so Amongst overall, many great other guy. Things. Yeah. Uh, but he had a Katachen Guard Brigade detachment with a small Blood Angels detachment just for the scouts and the Smashfucker captains, um, and a Custodes detachment with three Don Eagle Jetbike HQ choices. Uh, so pretty pretty standard. Um, then we had Tom Layton, good looking El- good looking English chap um, with Eldar. Mm-hmm. He had an Inari detachment with a, a bunch of Dark Reapers. Um, and an Alitok detachment, and that's the standard Alitok detachment I was talking about. So he had a couple yeah. wave serpents, you know, some some this autarchs, one. et cetera, yeah, et cetera. This one, this this one is your LVO list modified for being more expensive, and, and yeah. uh, it was it was it's funny. It's just the this the uh, the same old list, just doing just as good as it always has, which is nice yeah. too. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's nice to see that. Uh, and you know, some people might disagree with me here, but it's nice to see Eldar kind of consistently doing well. Um, so if you if you have an Eldar army, you're always going to kind of be relevant. Um, so uh, next we have uh, I'm going to butcher this name Lodek Chimiak. Well, I think the W is silent. Uh, Lodek Chimiak. Lodek Chimiak. Chimiak. <laughs> um, he had a Dark Angels primary army um though it's really just an imperial soup army uh he had a dark angels attachment with two raven wing dark talons and one dark shroud uh custodes attachment and then a katachan attachment with three lemon rust tank commanders um and that was in a katachan battalion Hmm. Uh, next we had kane foster uh with a pure dark eldar list um and this was actually kind of my favorite list um, that went okay. undefeated. Uh, yeah. He had uh, some Ravagers, racks, and like nine or eight Talos pain engines. Um, yeah, yeah. Not we're gonna see a, this. We're gonna see this build a lot. I think. Do you think so? Do you think? Do you think the Talos are are the way to go? Do they kind of act like the Dark Eldar's Carnifex? Um, um, well, I'm not sure if if the Carnifex acts like the Tyranids' Carnifex. Um, <laughs> although maybe in this next one we see them, but uh, no, the Talos are 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 very popular and. Uh, I don't know from from any of the chatter I've seen amongst Dark Eldar players that they're they're going to be on tables a lot, and because of the Corpse Thief Claw formation, which was one of the only real uh, semi-competitive uh, builds you could have with Dark Eldar in Seventh Edition, there are a lot of Talos out there. So I'm sure the Taloi will be all over the place. Yeah, and it's just nice to see pure Dark Eldar lists in in top tables. Um, yeah, you know, they're it's just a fun army. <clears throat> okay, we had a. Uh, Next, we had Robert Gustafsson uh, with a Tyranids list, um, and this was not your ordinary Tyranids list. Um, and there were actually, I actually liked the variety I saw in the Tyranid lists um, in general. Uh, they all did pretty well. Uh, I think Frankie went two and two or something, and then dropped. I'm not sure how Frankie did. Uh, I found him at, at the bottom in the Best Coast Pairings app, um, and I, I, I took a quick note of his record, but. But um, <laughs> I didn't didn't stick didn't stick with my mind. Uh, but but Frankie Frankie was running a, a kind of a different Tyranids list. Um, and then of course Robert Gustafsson, his list was uh, a lot of Carnifexes. Gustafsson. Gustafsson. Gus Gus Gustafsson. You just gotta slow your way through it. But anyway, Gus, go ahead. Gustafsson. Gustafsson. Gus Gustaf. Anyways, um, he had a lot of Carnifexes. He had about eight or nine Carnifexes, which is wow. the the trend you're starting to see with Tyranids. 
Um, really? Especially in the ITC. Well, it's because Carnifexes don't give up any points in the ITC. Right. They're just... They're this is not like an ITC. These... This is not an ITC event, though. It, it wasn't an ITC event. You're right, uh, but this is an eighth edition 40k event, um, and I, I have seen more and more Carnifexes gracing the 40k tables um, a, at tournaments. That is a good news story for the game, if that is true. It is. Um, as as a matter of fact, if you remember, Val, I lost to a list with with nine Carnifexes and a, a Maliceptor yeah, at the uh, Depticon. The, the story has has been repeated here and elsewhere <laughs> numerous times. Um, uh, but uh, probably the cooler thing about his list is he had a Gene Steeler Colt Battalion uh, with a bunch of Neophyte hybrid models and a squad of Gene Steelers, uh, just to kind of bring the Gene Steeler Colt back, show show everyone that they're still relevant. Um, so Robert, well, congratulations! Handy tool. I want to point out actually, and uh, we're still we got one more list before we get to. Despite the efforts of GW's part, uh, even the Tyranids list is a soup list. So literally, <laughs> every single one of these lists is 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 uh, significantly mixed. Uh, uh, not the Dark Eldar list. Uh, is there one? Oh yeah, there's one. Yeah, pure, there's pure, I'm, pure I'm, Dark I'm Eldar. Um, <laughs> but that is interesting. Anyone who can. Uh, bring their pals is is bringing the pals they can. Yeah. So on um, the chaos. All right. Uh, so and then we had a string of chaos players. Um, Dean Murphy with a, a CSM list. Um, this was kind of your more standard chaos space marine list with a demon princess, cultists, and obliterators. And um, he had three the foeted blight drones. Um, did three of those? Huh? Feated. I think it's feated. Feated blight drone. I think. Uh, so this is kind of a typical. Chaos list, um, uh, there, you know, the Chaos Space Marine lists come in all sorts of flavors, uh, so I don't think there's any prototypical CSM list that you can plan for. Um, you pretty much just have to plan for cultists and obliterators, and then psychic presence of some kind. That's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Mark Wildman had a Thousand Suns list, uh, with, uh, three units of Zangor Enlightened, with the Great Bows, and some of them had the Spears, uh, with a Chaos Demon. Did he two max Chaos those Demon. out? Uh, no, he didn't. He had he had a maxed out bows. He had six with I think he had six with bows, and then three with spear. Two units of three with spears. Wow. Um, so he had a maxed out bows. He brought he brought he brought ones that that didn't have bows. Yeah, yeah, he did. I think I think he just used them Ooh, to this, like this. Play. This Mark is in fact a wild man. He's a he's a wild man. Uh, brought he's... brought brought Zangor enlightened without the stupid bows. <laughs> um. He, he, uh, if you play Age of Sigmar, he, he probably had his Age of Sigmar painted, you know, Zangor Skyfires just chilling around. Um, the Skyfires have the bows. That's who yeah, the Skyfires are. That's true. Well, he had a, I've he never had a heard of the spears. Yeah, that's they, they get spears. Um, they're, they're actually really good, the spears in general. Just the, that, that unit. That's in, why people listen. They listen for these, these fact bombs that <laughs> there is, in fact, an alternative option for Zangor Enlightened. Zangor with long spears, man. They're, they're good. They are... Uh, they they fly around the real quick and they they bully things like nerglings and scouts and little just little tiny units on objectives in corners. Oh um, my god, this next yeah. list is terrifying. Yeah. So uh, and then he also had uh chaos demons. He had a bloodletter bomb, uh, nerglings, you know, brimstone horrors. The the kind of the like a chaos demon support. Bomb. And actually, Mark Wildman's list I actually really enjoyed. There's a lot of little little intricacies to the list. Um, and then we had Jared Friedman, uh, repping the U.S. Jared Frieden, great guy. Um, he had uh, a pure Nurgle demons list. Um, the simplest one you could you could think of. He had ninety plague bearers, thirty plague drones. 
Yeah. Go ahead. It's Go ahead. pretty simple. It's, well, well, okay. So it, it's it's got two two main units, two non-HQ units, uh, in the Plague Drones and the Plague Bearers. And then he's got every Nurgle demon oddly named character you can think of. Oh, yeah. And a, yeah. Fecul- and a couple of feculent narwhals. This list is filth and awesome. And <laughs> Literally. Would be, uh, yeah, actually, total filth. I only, I, I jokingly interrupted you there because there is one other guy with actually the simplest list, which was just Nurglings plus <laughs> the characters. Uh, I think he had one loss though. Damn. I think he, he had a strong first day and then and then had a loss, but it was like just some obscene. It was on uh, the competitive forty k thread. That's so funny. Uh, but the ninety play bears and play drones list is is a, a force to be reckoned with. This is probably something you will start to see around as well. I would think. Uh, and then we had Reese uh, with his Katachan brigade uh, and a uh, a custody a custodian's detachment um, running his guard list that everyone seems to make fun of. Uh, but he always consistently does well with it, uh, and it's it's nice to see Reese shake off the rust and and represent Frontline Gaming at the London GT and do well. So so Reese got five wins consecutively. Yes, yes. Like in I, a I row. think he's he's gotten more win. He got more wins at tournament wins at this tournament than he has in the last calendar year. So this is why this is why we're doing the the the. Uh undefeated list instead of the actual top 10 list because, because just Reese so i could talk about Reese. On, just so we could talk about <laughs> Reese. Being we got to give is him he his a listener credit, of man. the show is he a listener he, of the show? He, he doesn't listen to he actually reese doesn't listen to too much um he, he only listen to anybody much, yeah he, much he doesn't, he's a really people. busy guy um he only listens to to things that when when people tell him like oh hey someone mentioned you you should listen to this and he'll listen to like you know whatever parts are relevant to him uh, and then he won't. So, you know, he's just well, he's a busy guy. I'm sure he would listen to more podcasts and stuff if he had time. When he gets back to work and, and like, he turns the lights on and there's, like, all the pizza boxes and, like, empty beer bottles from, like, you guys just, like, running the show for a few days. Um, just And he's, like, just, you know, about to blow a gasket and the steelers. You can see the red really, his vein, like, really starting to pulse. Just be like, Reese? We counted down the undefeated list so that we could shout you out, homie. Don't be mad. Eat some cold pizza. I got. I got to cater to my boss somehow, man. Right. And and and, and, and I, I'm glad that you that you uh, recognize cold pizza boxes as as a uh, a thing that's coming happening at the office right now because you're you're absolutely 100 percent spot on. Well, because uh, you know while the bosses are away, the mice will play. You know, 100. Boss vacations are are are, are uh, something to be cherished. They're the best, man. I walked around. In my underwear in the warehouse. Wow. It was great. It was awesome. It's hot in there, from what I understand. <laughs> it does. <laughs> All right. But uh, seriously, uh, Reese, congratulations. Um, we've, we've, totally. Listen yeah, we've been show, giving him Reese. a lot of shit lately. Uh, and it's, it's nice lately? to see him do well. Oh, yeah. Well, I guess uh, lately, you know, if you consider a year lately, two At years. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, and then finally, bringing up the end, Rob Willers with a Chaos hey. Demons list. Uh, very similar to, Mar- to Jared Friedman's. He had a, a lot of plague bearers. Now um, he's undefeated, but, but is he in the top hundred? He's in the top fifty. Okay, that's all that matters. I think he's in forty seventh place. Val, excellent. So excellent. <laughs> Rob, Rob squeaking in there with a five and zero win. Um, and and it's funny that you see the CSN, the chaos list towards the bottom, and then you see the Eldar and the the Imperium lists towards the top. It it just kind of shows you that that the uh, the Imperium lists were were designed to to maximize points efficiency. Uh, and in, in Mike Porter's case, like a, 
you know, 100% maximized points efficiency. Uh, but, it, you know, you get the Chaos Space Marines list and Reese uh, towards the bottom, uh, way towards the bottom in, in the top, barely, you know, barely pushing the top 50. Um, and they didn't score so well. So it's kind of, it's kind of interesting. Um, I'd like to look into that further. I wish I could everyone could talk about their matchups just to kind of see like what did they did they just place face really hard opponents or um did were their lists just unable to score points um which i think I'd that's love, probably the case i'd love to throw out some honorable mentions to the people in the top 10 who yes. uh, had one loss um uh one one big name you know coming out speaking of drama alex harrison Yes. Uh, he had uh, he had one loss. Um, I'm calling him out because we actually talked about his tau list. Uh, I think in passing um, pre- pre- uh, in the previous segment, um, he actually made it to the final round of the invitation against Jeff. I'm sure Jeff will tell us all about that fun experience. I can't wait. Uh, and uh, actually, they played in the uh, third round of the GT, and then immediately went into. Uh, the final that was played at the end of uh, at the end of the day Saturday, so they kind of played back to back. So uh, you can imagine it was fun uh, that stuff. Uh, certainly, one of those games uh, in a portion of it is uh, you can watch the replay on Twitch. Um, uh, it was entertaining for two turns that I got to watch anyway. Uh, another one, of course, Joshua Death, current leader uh, in the ITC. He was rocking Kalmek. Really? I didn't actually he, look he at is, his list. I just assumed he, is, he was running demons like he always does. Yeah, I guess he's uh he was scared off of the uh the Let's see the, this uh, list. Cuz he was he was doing the Death Blossom. Um what's he running? He's running uh, uh, Scutari Scoot, Range. Oh, he's running Electro Priest bombs. He's got six, six dragoons, dragons uh and the Blood, Blood Angels. Angels detachment a uh, Supreme Command detachment with two Smash Fucker captains and a Tech Marine on bike. What? This guy. This guy. Oh, it has a conversion uh, beamer. Okay, well, so, so that changes it. I don't obviously. I mean, you bring it can't it repair anything. It's it's a conversion <laughs> beamer. It's just the convert. Like I don't. This is um. It's converting stuff. Yeah, this is a Josh Death special list. Like this is not a list. A bit of a that mad scientist. See, yeah, a bit of a. He is a bit of a mad scientist. Um. By the way, I, I want to shout out Josh Death because in the very sad video logs of the terrain, clearly not going to get finished. Uh, the last one. Uh, which you can watch in London GT. You can see, I swear to God, it's Josh Death helping out in the background. So, uh, of all the people in London complaining, there was an American who showed up and actually tried to help out with the train. So there you go. Aww. So kudos to old Joshy Pants. Um, moving along from Josh, there was someone else I wanted to shout out because I think it's hilarious. Dan Bradshaw with Tao, uh, also on one loss, triple storm surge, um, came in 28th, uh, which is hilarious to me. Yeah, uh, yeah. For those of you who don't know, Daniel Bradshaw, um, he's Warhammer TV Dan. Uh, he he r- runs the stream. He is the stream guy uh, for Warhammer TV. He he's the guy who sits at in he's front like of the, the like five reporter. monitors. No, no, he's guy? he's the he's the guy who runs the stream. He he sits at all the computers and makes sure everything's working and and he he sets all the cues and the overlays and everything. Oh, talks cool. to chat like he's he's the guy um and it, it's really great to see him not only get away from the hot hot wiry mess that is his normal job um but also to do well at a tournament the london gt uh dan good job man you also had a strong showing at the nova invitational too um so just wanted to give him a shout out thanks for shouting about too val and just and just in case darren cooper's listening because he actually came in fifth with one loss 
and was ahead of everyone we've mentioned so far. Uh, he was playing Ultramarines, and I might be crazy, but I don't think he brought... Oh, he did bring Gilliman. Okay, I was crazy. No, you can't um, but bring it was not bring Gilliman. It was, uh, yeah, but he had Razorbacks. He had, uh, he had a, a, a Leviathan Dreadnought. Um, also... Two tech marines on bike. Is there is there some list tech that we've missed out on? You know, I, I don't know because I'm looking at his tech marines. One has the Primarch's Wrath, so it's a little shooty, uh, and then the other has the Teeth of Terra, which is <laughs> so these tech marines are running around with a two up save and three wounds. Um, actually, I think just they have more than three wounds. Uh, slaying the, fools. The, yeah, just just repairing the Razorbacks, and um, this is a, a really interesting Ultramarines list. Um, it has Celestine in, in an auxiliary support detachment by herself, uh, no no help at all. Uh, yeah, and then, well, that's course, how you got to bring her, right? Because you can't you can't super in. So I don't know. she's I, she's got to be in that, or you got to bring some sisters to chill with. I I really like Celestine with some Seraphim. Like I think I think that is a detachment that everyone needs to look into if you're running Imperium lists. I mean. Seraphim are just so good for their points. Uh, being able to double move an Inferno pistol, you shoot four melted guns into something on a seventy, or I guess I think they're ninety points. I think with the Inferno pistols, um, but they're just you know they double move, uh, they tie things up. They're just they're really good. They're um, you know there's a there's a lot of lip service given to um, um, the uh, Illuminati, the uh, Reese Illuminati that conspires against the Tau. Uh, I'm surprised that the the Sisters of Battle players out there haven't uh, raised the same point about Celestine and the way the ITC basically makes her unplayable. Well, I mean, yeah, we, we've definitely, and don't think those don't exist, because we definitely have gotten our fair share of messages about um, being unfair to, like, the Swarm Lord, for example, uh, um, Pask, um, Celestine is man. the big one. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know... Um, I think sisters players in general got nerfed already, uh, you know, but from the FAQ, um, because people don't think people generally don't think of sisters when they think of um, the FAQ nerfing armies, uh, but they basically lost their ability to army wide scout move because uh, you can only take three units of dominions now. Uh-huh. Um, so a lot of sister players I've been talking to have been kind of lamenting their ability to scout move up. their are like 10 repressors with dominion Stormbolters squads. Uh, and just lay waste to their opponents, which is a really nasty list. It's a nasty um, list, a, a unicorn of a list. Uh, yes, a a uni- you, you, all three sisters of battle, competitive sisters of battle players <laughs> out there. I'm so sorry for all three of you, uh, but um, <laughs> moving on, um, the the breakdowns for the factions are as follows: uh, there were two guard players, uh, one custodes primary player, two eldar players, one dark angels player, which is which is basically more of an imperial soup list. Uh, one pure Dark Eldar player, one Nids player, two Chaos Space Ring players, and two Demon players. Uh, so y- you kind of had you kind of had like maybe six list archetypes kind of just chilling um, that were undefeated, uh, which which is it's good. It's compared to to uh, where the LVO was in Seventh Edition two years ago. Um, it's definitely more diverse, uh, but. On the other hand, like you saw Imperium, you saw Guard with Custodes jet bikes. That that was something that you that I think you'll see. Um, and ever since Custodes came out, I think you're always going to see that. Uh, you saw Eldar show up in their typical Eldar forms, um, and then you had the newcomers, the Dark Eldar, and to an extent Tyranids. Um, even though Tyranids have always kind of been in the fray, 
since their codex came out. They've, they've always kind of been within striking distance, um, and in Adepticon's case, winning. Uh, and then you had Chaos Space Marines and Chaos Demons. Um, two different list styles, by the way. Chaos Space Marine lists play significantly different than Chaos Demon lists. Um, what but... I would point out is that uh, of these lists, there's there's um, nothing, well, except for, uh, well, we're only talking about the undefeated list. But amongst the undefeateds, there's no strictly gunline list. Um, no. All of these lists actually are, um, you know, as silly as they may be from a narrative point of view or from a, you know, any sort of logic um, they're a lot of fun. Like these lists, these lists are very interactive. They're doing all kinds of different things, except for maybe some of the immovable Nurgle stuff that happens later at the end there. Um, you know, these are going to, these lists will create very dynamic games. And, um, I think the stream, uh, some of the stream games would show that. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, though, though these lists are predictable, um, they're pretty much, you know, there's no orcs, uh, there were no blood angel, pure blood angels lists, or, or I there's guess orcs, there's orcs in the in the at, at the top of the tournament, but they're not undefeated. No, they're not undefeated. Yeah, yeah. sorry, orc players. So they score. They score well. They scored very well. And, and, and that was and, what you were supposed to do, Pablo. So you know, <laughs> um, maybe we should talk about what they were trying to do. Well, well, um, I'm sure you guys can find a lot of a, a lot of statistics online, or you can go to Best Coast Pairings. Uh, Best Coast Carings, download the BCP app, subscribe, yes. and look at the lists yourselves. If you think that the 4-in-1 list should have been talked about and you, you're curious to see what lists scored highly with battle points, um, mm-hmm. download the BCP app. Take a look at it. Get a subscription uh, for for one month. It's only $5 a month, and you get access to all of the lists, not just the list at the London GT. So you can go back to the LVO and look at how lists have progressed since then. Or yep. um, if you want to go to Adepticon... Or, or anything. So it, it's a it's a great tool, uh, especially if you're trying to build your list. You're trying to figure out what what everyone else is running right now. Download the BCP cu- app. And for a couple of days at least, the London GT was a sponsored event. Um, so you'll be able to look at the list on there. However, hot tip, uh, if you go to the London GT Facebook page and scroll down a little bit, uh, you will find a link to the uh, list document, and it's like seven million pages long. Every single list is actually in sort of a Google Doc. Yes. Um, not every single list is in BCP, uh, but it is pretty close. Um, but BCP will be uh, because it's sponsored. You'll be able to actually look at the the list for a couple days after the event's over. Yeah. And, and finally, if you are having trouble finding any of this information, or if you want more information on tournaments, meta analysis, or you just want to chat. 40k, you can email me, frontlinegamingpdpab at gmail.com. Uh, you can also email me if you want to talk to Val, and maybe Val uh, will respond. People have been finding me. I'm getting the most random uh, ads uh, from people. And then I'll, like, I'll message them. I'll be like, hey, what's up? And they'll be like, uh... <laughs> <laughs> They're like, oh, this is the, you weren't a troll account. This is real. Well, actually, <laughs> that's, a real person. that's funny you mention it. They all really love Vladimir Putin. I don't understand. What, what that's all about <laughs> strange um, uh, 40k is big in russia i guess I'm not sure. yeah i guess so <laughs> anyways uh val is there any final words you want to add uh be good to each other out there folks uh, don't revel in the misery of others it's a bad look and uh let us uh look forward to some awesome events coming up and celebrate the champions of this one that has passed right on and one final thing before we let you guys get going check out rob the Honest War Gamer. Uh, it's a 
He's really he runs a really great show on his website, honestwargamer.uk, or is it a .com or .uk site? Just Google the Honest Wargamer 40k. The Honest Wargamer, yes. yes. Yeah, just just Google that. Um, you'll find him. Take a look at Rob's site, and also we got a new sponsor, Broken Egg Games. So check them out if you're looking for custom templates, wound trackers. Uh, if you're looking to fill your RPG needs, they have these really cool map tiles that are gridded um, with terrain features on them. So if if you have like a three by three grasslands FLG mat, you can put cool little like villages and stuff um, that are gridded, so you can kind of map out your D and D. Pathfinder RPG encounters on them. They're pretty cool. Uh, you can also buy custom X-Wing templates and templates for War Machine and Hordes, and hopefully they'll come out with custom templates for 40k for factions in the near future. Uh, so check them out. They're an official sponsor. Just click on the link at frontlinegaming.org under Chapter Tactics. I think this is episode 67. Uh, so click on that. Click on the link. Two away. Two away from a very special episode. <laughs> I can't wait for that episode. Countdown. Um, <laughs> if you click on that link and you buy something, uh, I get a small percentage of that money um, sent to my podcast. Uh, so the more of you that click on the link and buy stuff from BrokenEggsGames.com, you're helping me out. Uh, so, you know, do that. They're a sponsor. They're awesome. Also go to FrontlineGaming.org where we sell cool things. Yeah. Everyone, thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed. Have a good one. Good night, everybody. <laughs>